Father, tonight we thank you that your word brings light. We thank you, Lord, that as we listen and as we meditate in your word tonight, that there is revelation that comes on our inner man. We thank you, God, that it is your life, it is your light. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, as I was sitting here, just a second, can everybody hear me? Yes. Okay. As I was sitting here just just a moment ago, the Lord kind of whispered something in my ear. Not this ear, my spiritual ear. And he kind of said something to me, so I want you to hear what I'm going to what I'm going to read. This is from Proverbs chapter 4. Now, this isn't the message. This is what the Lord told me to tell you. Proverbs chapter 4. Now, if we think about it, who's the author of the Bible? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's the one who, who breathed the word. So he's the author of the book. In Proverbs chapter 4, he says this in verse 20. He said, my son, it could be my child, is what he could have said. Attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. In other words... Pay attention to what I'm saying. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now here's what the Lord told me for you to hear. For they, they what? The words. They are life. They're not like life. They are life. The words are life unto those that... Find them. There's something to be discovered tonight in his word. But here's here's what I really heard him say. And health to all their flesh. The words are health to our flesh. Tonight in particular, if you have physical problems, I want you to begin to believe that the word is health to your flesh. That's a great word from God. The words, his words, are health to our flesh. It goes on to say, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We need to get our heart, keep keep the word in our heart. It is life and health. This is pretty serious stuff when we think about what the word will do. It is life and it is health. So let's just confess that tonight. I want you to say that the word, word. is life. life. The word, word. is health to my flesh. my flesh. Okay, we need to know that tonight. Now, now some of them say, well, you know, let's talk about spiritual healing. No, it's not. It says health to my flesh. That has to do with my physical body. So the word is health. I love that. Amen. The word is health. To our flesh. Aren't you glad you're saved? I mean, I'm glad that I'm a covenant partner with Almighty God. I'm glad that I'm a part of the church. I mean, being a part of the church is very, very important. Tammy and I know people who've gotten away from the church. And, you know, they're spirit-filled people. They, you know, they'll say, you know, well, I love the Lord. And I'm sure they do. But they get away from the church, they get burnt out, or they get busy. The problem is when they get out of church, they get dull. Amen. That's right. 
Okay, they're not, they're just not as sharp as they were at one time. I'm not saying they won't go to heaven when they die. I'm not talking about that. But the New Testament program that you read the Bible, it talks about believers living a life of communion one with another, members in particular of a local body of believers. They'll say, people will say this to sometimes, well, I'm a member of the church. I just don't go to one. Well, when you read the New Testament, and I challenge you to read the New Testament, when you read the New Testament, the word church, almost every time it appears, is talking about a local congregation of believers. Now, sometimes when Jesus said, my church will be a house of prayer, he's talking about the big church. But when the Bible says the church at Ephesus, it's not talking about the big one. The church at Laodicea or the church at Philippi, those are local congregations. And the plan of God is for his people to be part of a local church. That's a good thing. And when I think about Ephesus, at the time when the Bible was written, Ephesus was the largest church in the world. It had, they think it had somewhere near 100,000 members of the church in Ephesus. Well, there was no building in Ephesus that could house 100,000 people. So you know what they did? This right here. They met in different groups, and they, they learned, and they were discipled in this way. So I think that's important. We need to be people who are grateful for the church. We need to be grateful for the fellowship that we have. I've had fun tonight just fellowship, and how about you? Amen. And the food was awesome. Here's a problem. I just want to, this is my problem tonight. I couldn't eat every one of those soups. <laughs> and that was a problem. You'd think I could, but I can't. I was trying my best. They were, it was very, very good. We need to realize that we were members of the church, and apart from the local church, people began to live like the world, act like the world, and get the world's results. We need to be in fellowship with one another. What happens is they get away from the church and they're no longer full of life. It no longer flows through them. Now they begin to live the, the mundane, joyous existence just like the world is. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The Amplified Bible says it better. It says, it says, the thief comes in only in order to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the will of God for believers, for us to enjoy our lives. I uh, hear somebody in their mind, well, then why did he give me that job? It's not the job that needs to change. Something inside of us needs to change. He came that we might enjoy our life. There's a big difference between the two Greek words, zoe, <clears throat> excuse me, and bios. Bios talks about the everyday life. <clears throat> it talks about existing. It talks about being able to breathe. The word zoe, the Greek word, literally talks about having the life quality of God. Life as God has it, or life connected vitally to God is what Zoe life is. When Jesus said, I came that they might have life, the word is Zoe, that we might be connected to God so our lives will overflow. Amen. That's good. Now, here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.1. We read this. 
last week. It says, This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. That doesn't sound like good news. This won't either. These are the last days. I believe that, that these are perilous days. The word perilous means fierce, dangerous, hard to bear. I mean, just watch the news anytime. And you can find it's fierce. I mean, people are in such great disagreement over political things that they're fierce. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Paul then, after he says that statement in, in 2 Timothy 3.1, he describes the times. And I'll look at that here in a little bit. But he concludes this chapter with, with these words. He says, but, he, he says, we, the, the, in the last days perilous times will come. He lists what will happen in those days. And then he says, I love it, he says, but. You know what but is? The little conjunction but? It wipes out everything before it. <laughs> when somebody comes and says, well, I don't usually criticize you, but. Get ready. Okay, just cancel out what they were getting ready to say. He says, but, this is one of those blessed buts here. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise. I can't, I got to say this. Sometimes things scream at me when I look at the Bible. Do they you? I mean, this just screams at me. He says, but he's talking about the scriptures. He says, they are able. The word able comes from the Greek word dunamis. It's not the word dunamis, but it comes from that word, dunamis. Dunamis means miracle power. Look what it just said. The word has miracle power. See, the word has the miracle power to do exactly what it says. All I have to do is believe it and act on it. Okay? The word he says, the word that you learn from a child has miracle power to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That is good news. Amen. In perilous times, the word is able to make me wise Unto salvation. This isn't talking about the new birth. This is talking about rescue, deliverance, doing well, being made whole in perilous times. It goes on to say, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The man of God. didn't say the preacher. It said the man of God or the person of God. The way we're going to be furnished to do whatever we need to have is to stay with the Word. In perilous times, if we stay with the Word, we'll have revelation by the Spirit of God from the Word of God so we'll know what to do. Isn't that good? That's good. Man. So, in light of events that we see in the world all the time, I mean, it seems like every day we, we hear, not every day, but every week, we hear of these, these events that take place and someone is killing this many people and someone's doing this to this many people. We need to learn how to live our lives in courage and having confidence in the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalm 91, and you probably know this, Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, 
nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Wait a minute. This was the word, right? Somebody's getting healed. Because it's health to all of our flesh. Just remember that as we go. Terrorism is the use of fear as a weapon. That's what terrorists do. They want to cause us to be afraid. They want to cause us to be so afraid that we're paralyzed with their fear and will succumb to their demands. And we will change our lives because of their terror. We were at the Prey Jones on Sunday. Did you notice all the security people? Somebody thought about terror. We went through the metal detectors. If you ladies took a purse, you took that plastic bag or whatever it was you had to take. Somebody's thinking about terror. See, the devil wants us to be terrified no matter what we do. The Bible tells us that we're not to be afraid of terror. Now, we have to have wisdom. Don't get me wrong. You better be, in this, in this, in this day, we need to be hearing what the Lord is saying. Because if he says don't go, don't go. If he says don't go, you can quote Psalm 91 all day long. It's not going to help you. If he says don't go, don't go. But we, he does, we shouldn't be afraid. We need to do what he said. Jesus promised us that he had overcome the world. And we're not supposed to allow our hearts to be troubled. Let me read you the verse. John 14, 27. This is from the Amplified Bible, the New Amplified. It says, Peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Who shouldn't let their heart be troubled? You and me. You don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. His peace gives me courage. It's my choice whether or not I let my heart be troubled. Yeah, but I can't help it. If you, here's, here's what it is. Well, but I can't help it. I see Jesus go, oh, I'm sorry, Father. You see that? I'm, she can't help it. No, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. That means it's a choice that I make. There is power in his word, it contains supernatural power to enable me not to let my heart be troubled. But I have to take the time to meditate in it, to get it on the inside of me. Somebody say amen, because that's really, we just need to get that. We've got to rely on his supernatural power. As a church, we must rely on his power. The gospel in troubled times needs to be preached in power. We've got to let his supernatural peace flow in our lives. That comes by meditating in what he has said. Let me just tell you something. We'll never be able to speak to the storms of life and declare peace until the peace that's on the inside of us is bigger than the storm that is around us. Should I say that again? You see, we'll never be able to speak to the storms of life and declare peace until the peace that's on the inside of us is bigger than the storm that's around us. Amen. See, that's we get the word in us, 
I mean, in that storm, when Jesus said, peace, be still to the storm, he's asleep on the boat in the middle of the storm. And they ran to Jesus and they said, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus stood up, looked at the storm, and said, peace, be still. And it got still. And this is my paraphrase. They said, golly. (laughs) And he said, where is your faith? But see, Jesus had this raging storm of peace on the inside of him that was bigger than that storm ever could be. And so when he said peace, it had to obey. We'll never have the authority to speak to a storm until we can sleep through one. When that peace is inside of us. Now that's bigger than just naming it and claiming it. That's bigger than just a wishing and a hoping. That is taking God's word and putting it on the inside of me all the time. See, believers, we need to have a reserve inside of us. So when the storm comes, we're ready to go. We need to learn how, because we put the word in us and put the word in us, that we can declare it is well, no matter what is going around us. It is well. That when that lady in the Old Testament said it is well, she said the word shalom. You know the story I'm talking about where her son died and she comes to Elisha and, she, and, and, she, and, she, and, and he says, Elisha says to the servant Gehazi, well, first of all, she goes to her husband and she says, I need to go talk to the preacher. He said, well, it's not Sunday. This is my paraphrase of the story. And he says, well, go ahead if you want to. She, he said, anything wrong? She says, shalom. It is well. She goes to the prophet, and the prophet sends his servant. He says, go ask her what's wrong. He runs up to her and says, what's wrong? And she says, shalom. It is well. Shalom. And then she gets to the the prophet, and she says, says, what's wrong? She says, it is well. The word shalom means completeness. Nothing missing. Nothing Nothing broken. It is well. When we learn how, when that's inside of us, no matter what the devil throws at us, the first thing that's going to come out of our mouth is, it is well. But what if it isn't well? Are we lying? No, we're prophesying. We're declaring what God has said. And we need to start practicing that now. We need to start speaking that right now. Because I'll tell you, when you fill your heart up with that, it'll come right out of your mouth. It'll always come out of your mouth. It is well. The first time that David threw a rock wasn't at Goliath. He had been practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. He killed him a lion. He killed him a bear. And when he got to that big monster Goliath, he said to the king, I love the, I love the story when he says, the king says, he goes to the king and says, never fear, I am here. <laughs> 17 years old, a little guy. And he said, why? Because he had been practicing and practicing and practicing. He had already been anointed king. He already knew who he was. And he said it. Man, this, I hadn't got to the message yet. (laughs) Maybe this is the message. See, 
We need to understand tonight. We've got to have, we've got to have the courage to speak God's word no matter what we face. No matter what we face. Tammy and I were talking about a thing not too long ago, and it wasn't good news. And I looked at her and I said, when my heart is afraid, I will trust in thee. Well, now that needs to be the first thing that comes out of my mouth. Not, oh my gosh, what will we do? See, we need to be people who, who aren't afraid. Now, sometimes you do stuff afraid. I'm not talking about your knees not shaking. I'm not talking about not, you know, not having to do everything you can to stand there. But I'm talking about putting it on the inside of you so that when it's time to face it, it will come out of you. That's what God wants us to do. We need to be those kind of people. We need to have the courage to take a stand for what God has said in these perilous times. Take a stand. You remember that story? I'm just going to all these stories. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, there's this story of how that Jonathan, who's the son of Saul, who's the king. And Jonathan and his, and his armor bearer, they run off just to, I, I don't know what they were doing away from everybody else, but they go off and they, they go and they, and they find the Philistines. And the Philistines are in this camp up on this hilltop. And Jonathan and the armor bearer are down there. It's just the two of them. And they have this little little garrison up above them. And so Jonathan basically says to his armor bearer, he says, Hey, hey let's go to these uncircumcised Philistines and, and, and let's see what God will do. He says, Let's see if the Lord will do something for us because he's not limited to save by a bunch or a few. Let's just go over there and, and see what we ought to do for them. And the armor bearer says, Sounds good to me. <laughs> I mean, that's a, this is kind of a cool story. He said, now bear in mind, these guys are above them. Who has the advantage in, in a fight? Whoever's up high has the advantage. They're down below. The only advantage they have is that they can surprise them. Okay? Jonathan, he just, he just bypasses that. He says, I'll tell you what. Let's call out to them and tell them we're here. And if they say, come up here, we know we're going to whip them. If they say, if they, if they come down to us, we know to get out of here. So they jump out, and he stands up, and he says, hey. And they said, come up here. He said, all right. And so Jonathan and the armor bearer, the Bible says they crawled on their hands and knees up the side of this hill to get to these Philistines. So first of all, that's rather exerting to crawl up there. They get up to the top. There are 20 Philistines up there. And Jonathan and his armor bearer killed every one of them. They had courage. This isn't the first time he thought about fighting the Philistines. This wasn't the first time that he, that he had drawn a sword. This wasn't the first time that was going on. He knew what he needed to do. They had the courage to stand. Ooh, man. Scripture says this, and we know that all things work together to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, this is the passage we've been looking at for several weeks. We know that all things work together for everybody. Didn't say that. Didn't say that. We know that all things work together for everybody who quotes Psalm 91 in the morning, at noon, and at night. 
No. All things work together for them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. The promise of it working out together for good is for those who are chosen, which is everybody, the called, but the called who love God. That's what the Bible says. You need to understand not everybody loves him. Not everybody who even, not everybody who, who calls themselves Christians love him. A lot of people know about him, but don't actually love him. We'll see more what I'm talking about. Being a Christian isn't so much about what God will do for me. Can I tell you something? God has already done it. Jesus has died one time for all time, for all sin, for all men. Amen. He's already paid the price. His blood has already provided for you and me. God has already sent the Holy Spirit. We've already been empowered. We already have his word. This Christian life isn't so much about what God will do for me. What it is about is living in a loving and personal relationship with God our Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's all about this relationship. It's not about being entitled. It's about, it's about having a relationship with God. The promise of it working out for good is not for everybody. God loves everyone. But the promise is for those who love him. Loving God. These are some review verses. But it's written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. These revelations, these things that come from the eternal realm, they come to those who love him. He's prepared them for those who love him. Not for everybody, for those who love him. The Bible says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. The crown of life. The Bible talks about a crown of righteousness. It talks about a crown of life. The crown of life seems to be promised to those who overcome. In Revelation 2.12, it talks about those who, who endure the tribulation. Well, a certain tribulation, not the tribulation, a certain tribulation of ten days, they will get a crown of life. It has to do, it has to do with, 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 with loving him, loving him more than what the devil can throw at us. See, we need to overcome. We need to love him. And then God does something in addition to that. The Bible says, If any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. And we're talking about loving God. See, there's a contrast between knowing about God and loving God. But it has to do with intimacy. It has to do with experiencing God. I remember when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues, I remember someone saying to me, oh, well, that doesn't exist today. I'm like, really? Can I just tell you, the person with experience always trumps the guy with a the theory. <laughs> It'd be like saying, well, you can't drive a car like that. Really? I've been driving a car like that for years. We, we need to have this relationship with God that is so real. That when the world says, well, God isn't real, it's like, really? You don't know anything. And when we love God, when we love God, 
He manifests himself to us. We're known of him. Jesus said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall also be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. The scripture here tells us that if we love God, we will possess and guard his word. We will make it a priority in our lives. We will do what he has for us to do. And then it says when we do that, the Father will love us. It's talking about manifesting his love to us. It's talking about this manifested love of God. Man, so this, this type of thing is not for everybody. It's for a certain group of people who love God. Man, that, these are great passages of Scripture. Now listen to this one. Here we go. I didn't read this one. I haven't read this one before. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. The Scripture says this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of, of God abideth forever. Now listen to what it says. I'm going to read it. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, here it says, The love of the Father is not in him. It literally says, The love for the Father is not in him. The scripture says if you love the world, the love for God is not in you. Everybody smile take a deep breath for just a moment. This isn't a condemning word. This is a good word. Because we want all things working together for good. We want to be able to stand in perilous times. We can't love the world and love God. All that's in the world is temporary. All that's in the world has an expiration date, like the milk in your refrigerator. It will expire. All of it will expire. Man, it will expire. But he that does the will of God, we said that God will manifest him. But those that love God, we're going to live forever and ever and ever. Man, isn't that good? We need to know this. I think I said this last time. Someone said, someone's talking about, well, you better come to the hospital if you want to see your daddy for the last time. Are you kidding me? We have eternity. When Tammy's daddy went to heaven not too long ago, somebody said that to him. If you want to see him for the last time, you better come. It's like, is the last time we're going to see him? I mean, this is the shortest thing we're ever going to do. We have eternity to love one another. To love on God. I mean, we, we, we have all of that time. Listen, we need to give our love to God. Loving on Him as He manifests Himself to us. Okay, I'm going to go back to Second to Second Timothy. This know, in the last days perilous times will come. This is where I want to really get to tonight. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Disobedient to parents. I used to read that to my kids a lot. <laughs> Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means without self-control, and to be powerless over their own self. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. Now, does that sound like today at all? It sounds just like today. 
traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, mm. having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Mm -hmm. From yeah. such, turn away. That's talking about now. This describes the world's system. This is an ungodly system. And why would it be ungodly? Because they've taken God out of it. When you take God out of it, it becomes ungodly. I'm going to tell you something. The primary ingredient to life, to real life, to Zoe life, is the giver of life. If you take God out of it, it is just death. It is just depraved. When you take God out, you take out the main ingredient. When you take him out, you take out the only thing that makes it life. That makes it really fun. It's the thing that makes it good. The times become perilous because God isn't in it, except in us and his people. But they're taking God out of so many things. They don't want him. When you take God out, all man has is to look to man to meet his needs. And life becomes about self. And according to Jeremiah 5, 17, 5, it becomes a curse. When man trusts in man. When you take God out, you're in trouble. I mean, today, kids grow up in a godless society. And they learn to love self above all else. What do you feel like being? I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter what I feel like being. What did God make me to be? What did God call me to be? You know, I might feel like being an NBA basketball star. Can I tell you something? That's never going to happen, no matter how much I feel like it. <laughs> what did God call me to be? When God is out of it, kids grow up, and, and, and their whole life is about me. It's amazing to me. Mom and dad quit church so they can go to the game. So they can go to whatever the kid has going on. And no longer is God valued. But it becomes self-centered. Man, as people disobey him and forsake intimate relationship with him, he becomes less real. Life becomes godless. We need to be people who stand for God. People who love God. Because I'll tell you what, the scripture says when God, when we love God, he comes and lives with us manifest himself with us and he will begin, he'll bring all of his good stuff into our house and he, he has the best stuff. And it's just loving him. 2 Timothy 4 verse 6 says this, For I, Paul said, I now am ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. He doesn't even sound sad about it, does he? he he's not sad. He says, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. Do thy diligence to come to me shortly. And here's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Demas loved the world more than loving God. The world became more real to Demas than God was. 
Now here's the deal. You know that Demas had been traveling with the Apostle Paul for some time. Do you think he got good teaching? <laughs> oh my goodness. We're still teaching this stuff. We just were reading it tonight. He got great teaching. Do you think he saw any great miracles? Oh, yes. oh my. Oh, I mean, he, he saw lots of miracles. He, 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 knew, he saw the miracles. He saw signs. He saw wonders. But he began to think about the world. This isn't an overnight decision. This isn't the thing where he, had, he was in the middle of a great revival and then got up the next morning and said, I think I'll leave. It had been going on and going on. He began to let the world, he began to love the world more than he loved God. He began to not listen anymore. He began to not fellowship anymore. He began, he began to, to, to draw himself away. He knew God, and then he chose the world. And when he did, he forsook God. Man, he began to think about those things. I say all that to say this. There is one ingredient, one ingredient that I can't live without. I can live without the cowboys. I did it last year. <laughs> it was very difficult for me. My wife had to pray me through it. I can't even live without the Red Raiders. I can't live without him. He is the main ingredient to all of life. He is the ingredient. He's what makes it good. Without him and a relationship with him, life won't be good and it won't work out for good because it's all about him. Without him, it's godlessness. With him, it makes it worthwhile. Loving God is the number one thing that matters. Loving God, loving him is what makes life good and makes everything work out together. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's pray over the word for just a minute. Can you repeat something before yes, you pray? Yes, I can. If you take yourself back uh, a ways, 30 minutes or something like that, you <laughs> yeah. mentioned that you were talking to your, you and your wife faced something that was difficult. Yes. And you said, and the phrase you used, the scripture you used, you said something, and then you said, but I lost it because I'm tired. I'm sorry. Uh, what I told her was, what needs to, what would have, needs, I'm not trying to brag on me here, but we need to fill ourselves up with the word so that when, we, when something confronts us, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is the word of God. And I was tempted to be afraid. Yeah. And so I said to her, I said, at what time I'm afraid, I will trust in him. I was quoting the psalmist. I was quoting what he said. I just, at the moment, I didn't have the, the chapter and verse, but I knew the words of the verse. And I said, at what time I'm afraid, I will trust in him. What I was doing was I was speaking to my soul. Because sure. my soul wants to be afraid sometimes. <laughs> my soul wants all kinds of things. My flesh wants that. But I said what needed to be said. There you go. There you go. Because you will sense the afraid. You will sense Absolutely. the fear. You will sense <coughs> Absolutely. the declaration That's right. that comes out of your heart. That's exactly right. That's Psalm 56. 56. Judy knows. My grandson, my, my daughter taught her three-year-old grandson that. 
And his paraphrase was, when I'm scared, I love Jesus. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's a good paraphrase. That's a good paraphrase. Everything is about learning how to renew our mind. We, what time is it? i got three minutes. <laughs> the devil will do everything to make us think like the world. Yes. We must have our mind renewed to think like the word. That's really important for us. The scripture says to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind so that we can prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Okay, that comes as our, the word transformed, it has to do with being renovated. It's actually the same word as when Jesus was transfigured in the Greek. It has the, the word, we get the word metamorphosis from it. Metamorpho is the word in the Greek. And it has to do with changing. And that isn't an all of a sudden change. That is a, that is a slow, permanent change that takes place as we meditate in the word of God. What does meditate mean? It doesn't mean to get in the lotus position and go, um. <laughs> meditate means to mutter, to utter, to speak to yourself over and over again. <clears throat> when we meditate in the word of God, it has the power, the supernatural power to give us the courage to overcome the world in perilous times. That's the way we're going to make it, folks, is we're going to have to be the Christians God called us to be. We can't be fair-weather Christians. We can't be Sunday-only Christians. We can't be Sunday praise the Lord and Monday, Tuesday through Saturday cuss at everybody Christians. We've got to... One t-shirt that frustrates me is the one that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit. Listen, I understand. I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm not talking about flawlessness. I'm talking about having a heart that is whole toward God. And if I'm cussing a little bit, I need to work on it a little bit or a whole lot. Amen. And, yeah, and don't tell everybody else I got it. <laughs> no need to continue to speak that over myself. But we have to meditate in the Word. We have to make God's Word the priority. Not just, not just the letters on the page, but the life from those words living in our hearts. Anybody can memorize a verse of Scripture. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting it from, from my eyes into my mind by speaking it until it goes in me. Meditation is like chewing on something. The reality is you can't chew on anything for a long period of time without swallowing part of it. And when you get it on the inside of you, that's when it comes out in power. 